thank you all for joining. Uh, I think this is meetup number five, which is, uh, it's the 26th of July today. So we'll be doing some CS metrics. Um, we're really excited to, to bring this to the CSA community because uh, a lot of people were talking about this uh, as a topic of interest. Uh, when Simon and Marie uh, met up with everyone in person in Melbourne. So uh, the people have spoken and uh, we're talking about CX metrics today. So we've got three great panellists to be discussing uh, a few questions that we've got for them and then we'll um, open up to Q&A at the end. Before we start, I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I join you today, the Kulong Nations and the traditional own, uh, owners and custodians of the land of which you join us this evening. I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging, I acknowledge their connection to land, sea, spirit and community and extend that to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people joining us this evening. I'm your host, Sam. I'm a customer success manager at Higher Road, uh, which is an HR software company. And Simon is your other host. He'll be moderating the discussion tonight. Uh, he is uh, recently joined the CS team at SAP. Just a bit of housekeeping. Please stay on mute um, whilst we're doing the discussion. And if you have any questions, just pop them in the chat and we'll make sure that we try and get those answered. Um, and if you, uh, and then at the end, we'll, we'll open up to, uh, to a Q&A. Uh, and then at the end of the, uh, the Q&A, if anyone wants to hang around, it's not too hungry to, to duck off to dinner, then we'll we'll open up for some networking. If we have too many people, we'll chuck them into, into breakout rooms. Um, and just a reminder, there's the, the community group on LinkedIn. So we've come off um, Meetup, we're now on LinkedIn, which find it's a bit of um, a medium to, to communicate and keep connected. So please make sure you join the Customer Success Australia LinkedIn group there ask the questions, connect with people um, and uh, get amongst it. So introducing Ben, Ben's just joined uh, the, the organizing group as our uh, man on the ground in Sydney. So I just might throw to him to introduce himself and, and something that he's teeing up. Yeah, hi, I'm, nice to meet everyone. Um, my name is Ben Nicastri. I'm a customer success manager at HiBob, uh, HR tech software. Uh, a little bit, I guess, I've been coming along to the meetup since it started, I think it was about a year ago, Sam, um, and loved everything that Sam and Simon were doing and, and thought it'd be awesome to have a community here, here in Sydney now we're getting back to in-person. So uh, reached out and uh, yeah, we were able to put this together. Um, we've got our first meetup coming up on the 16th of August at the Veranda Bar. Um, so would love to see anyone Sydney-based coming along and, and catching up. Uh, off the back of that, we'll start to set up some more I guess, formalized events and, and other things in person, um, which I, we, and I've got Charles, Charles on the call today, who's also gonna quickly introduce what he's doing and what he'll bring to the table in, in the coming months. Uh, but yeah, that's me. Cool, thanks, Ben. Uh, we've got that up on LinkedIn. Uh, you can jump on the events on, on our uh, CSA LinkedIn page and add that to your calendar. It's on the 16th of August. Just please reach out to Ben if you've got any questions around that. And uh, last bit of housekeeping before we launch into it, just want to introduce Charles. Uh, Charles is going to be taking our next meetup, doing a talk on uh, practical applications of customer health scoring. So Charles, if you just want to 
introduce yourself and what you'll be talking about and um, and uh, over to you. Sure, Ken. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, so I'm Charles Connell. I've been the founder of several successful uh, multinational startups, and we've always had customer success at the, the core of our company and our, and our growth strategies. We were probably one of the early adopters of the, the concept of cost, customer success here in Australia um, well over 10 years ago. And in fact, our, our first hire at our last startup was a customer success manager. So we, you know, we really know the importance and the value of, of getting it right. Um, I'm currently a founder of a company called Viewsalot, as Sam mentioned. So we specialize in customer success technology and also provide consultancy services to businesses who are looking to either get started with customer success, implement um, any customer success technology or sort of upscale their customer success efforts. So in my job, I guess we get a lot of um, questions about customer health scoring. I thought that might be an interesting um, topic for a meetup discussion. So during that session, we're going to aim to cover just the basics around what is a health score and, and what should it be used for, um, common health score inputs, uh, how to get started with customer health scoring, including some of the more technical aspects of, of um, systems integration, et cetera, which can be a challenge and some pra practical applications about how you actually use your health score to not just reduce churn, but also um, drive growth. So I believe, Sam, our session scheduled Thursday, September 1st, um, and we're gonna be promoting the event on LinkedIn. And I just ask everyone on the call here to jump in and help promote um, the event on LinkedIn as well, because that's really going to help grow this awesome group. And I think this group is is yeah, great. Um, if anyone wants to chat or share their experiences in advance or request anything specific that I cover around customer health scoring, um, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And I'm always happy to connect and chat. Back to you, Sam. Cool. Thanks, Charles. And we would love to have this in person. I uh, Charles is up in Newcastle and um, we'll be keen to maybe come down to Sydney. So if anyone in Sydney wants to host this event, please shout out. Um, that would be awesome. We'll obviously also try to we'll also make it accessible online for all of us around the country um, in uh, all dispersed and um, we'll try and set up something in Melbourne to, to get people to like a watch party or something. But so we can all um, meet up in Melbourne for those who want to. So if you've got a space in Sydney that that can host, uh, please reach out. That would be awesome. Um, right now, I'll just throw over to Simon to, to introduce our panelists uh, for, for this evening. And, uh, and then we can launch into it. Thanks, Sam. Hey, everyone. Thanks uh, again for joining. Um, again, thank you to Charles. Um, and thank you for everyone that's here tonight. Ben, welcome to the team, mate. I'm very excited to see uh, a couple of events up and coming. So everyone get on that as soon as you can. Um, just uh, in regards to a bit of a feedback poll that um, we, we did talk about earlier, it seemed like based on the feedback that everyone um, on LinkedIn was in the stage of uh, developing their knowledge in the area of CS metrics. So um, we have a, a wonderful lineup here um, with a couple of guests, as you can see on Sam's screen there. Um, so we'd like to introduce you to uh, Miranda, uh, Thomas and Caitlin, um, who are going to be our speakers tonight and speaking to their experience in um, customer success metrics. If you do have any questions throughout the portion um, of, of uh, the 
the presenters going back and forth and, and discussing those questions, feel free to put through some of those questions into the chat area um, and we'll, we can bring that up amongst the discussion. Um, otherwise, towards the end, uh, we're going to open it up to the floor to ask questions. You can take yourselves off mute. Feel free to um, ask away. Um, so with that all said, guys, thank you very much for coming again tonight. Um, I think I'm going to pass it over to the speakers. Um, and I think it'd be great if um, if maybe, Tom, we start with you. Uh, and it'd be good if you could just introduce yourself, um, tell us a bit more about your background, uh, and even jump into the first question, which is predominantly around uh, where is a good place for a CSM uh, to start when it comes to CS metrics? And how have these helped you in your past? You're on mute there, Tom, sorry. I was following the instructions and going on mute earlier. <laughs> um, thanks, Simon. Uh, great to be here, great to see everyone. Um, turning up, I think. Uh, so Tom Morgan, I lead a customer success team at, uh, at MuleSoft, uh, which is a Salesforce company. And uh, we're lucky to have a reasonable size team. So across Australia and New Zealand now, we're about 17, 18 uh, people across the different segments. I've got um, eight in my team, uh, some on the call here today, which is great to see. Um, I've been part of the MuleSoft CS team for about three years, but uh, 20 odd years before that was in various other IT started as a developer, but ended up through through tech leadership roles in financial services and banking and wealth and life insurance. Um, but made the decision three years ago to to go to the other side of the table and and be part of a, a software organization and always been a techie at heart. So love being on these journeys with our customers and being able to work with customers across a really wide range of industries um, as they're on their journeys uh, implementing our software generally as part of digital transformations. So it's always a a nice, fun part of the journey to be on. Uh, as for the question, in terms of uh, where should people start, I think obviously it really depends on on the nature of the product or the service that's in question. Um, we have a hybrid product. So over, over the years, we've been sort of gravitating towards the cloud and a lot of our new customers are in the cloud where there's no shortage of metrics where around utilization around adoption everything's highly instrumented and we can get lots of good data um, but one of the challenges to be had in this hybrid world is we're kind of blind to what's going on inside a customer's environment um, a lot of our metrics we sort of had to ask the customer we turn up to an engagement call and ask them oh how are you using the product and and everything's filtered and i've seen on a number of occasions where the, the strength or the quality of the relationship can really skew the information that you're getting from the customer in terms of how they're using the product or how, how much value they're getting out of it. So, and it works in both ways. I've seen situations where customers will have uh, a really strong, positive, healthy relationship because we get on well and we've built a really good rapport. Um, so everything will get filtered through that relationship and come across very positive. Whereas when you actually get to the heart of the metrics and if you've got some independent source of data showing what the customer is using, how they're using it, what value they're getting from it, um, it doesn't always correlate with what the sort of subjective feedback that you're getting from customers. Mm -hmm. So I've had customers that have been healthy relationships, but underlying the data didn't really support that. And I've also had some, let's say, strained relationships with customers even though the data was saying that they were getting great value. So um, I think where should people start is, well, what data 
can you get your hands on? We're very lucky. We've got CSOps teams that can serve us up lots of nice Tableau dashboards and, and show us uh, what people are doing. But really, it's about whatever you can get um, your hands on. And uh, in terms of what it means um, and the value it brings into the conversations I have with the customers is generally means you can start a conversation already with some insights on um, how they're using the product and really bringing some value to that conversation rather than it just being a, a check-in and seeing how people are going. Fantastic. Thank you, Tom. Um, I might pass it over to Caitlin to introduce herself and talk to her preferred CS metrics to get started. Yeah, of course. So hi, everyone. Um, lovely to meet you all. I'm Caitlin. I'm a customer success team lead at HiBob. I currently manage the professional services team, so our implementation team, our customer success managers, and also our customer experience specialists. Uh, we're a team of eight at the moment. Um, however, HiBob itself are a company of 600. We only recently sort of expanded into Australia about a year ago. And if you haven't heard of us yet, we're a, a modern HRAS system. Um, my background is psychology and more so HR operations, but always loved tech. And when I had the opportunity to actually work for Highbob initially in the UK, I jumped on board and that was sort of the beginning of my customer success, love, and so forth. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. In regards to metrics, if I was to think about uh, an ultimate starting point, uh, I would hope that um, you would have like an NPS to begin with. It's a really great way to, if you're new to a business, to get an initial pulse on where your customers are at and how, how they're going. We've definitely um, integrated that heavily where we are at HiBob and we have a number of plays and automated almost actions that are required if a customer comes back with a negative MPS. So it's definitely a, a really good pulse check and a good starting point when it comes to a customer's health or a customer's sentiment. Another big one for us at the moment, now we, um, we're not a point solution, we are uh, an all-in-one. So that means that we have lots of modules in our HRIS system. There's lots of things that our customer can be using or adopting. We also have add-on modules. And so adoption and utilization of the system is important for us. Now, again, it depends on the context and it depends if the, on the type of SaaS business you're working for, um, but definitely is really important for us. So for example, um, as a HRIS system, we have time off. So people need to, to log in and do their time off. Now, we wanna make sure that they're not only using time off in Australia, but they're also using it in their London office. If they've got a London office that they're using it in Singapore and so forth, because we know that every business that has employees needs to use time off. So if they're not doing it in our system, it means they're using a competitor or they're using another system. So that's sort of one example. Um, we do have add-on modules as well that are more cyclical. And so for those types of adoption or, or metrics, we, we need to understand, okay, they've, they've bought a module. Have they actually rolled it out? Are they using it? Because if they haven't started using it and it's not part of the core foundations of the product, then that could lead to a downsell in the future. So that would be another core one that I would look at. Um, the third one that I wanted to mention, which I think is more relevant to the current market and the current sort of things, trends that we're seeing, and that would be customer growth. So I don't know if 
all of you have access to that, but if you're seeing a drop in employee count currently, then that could mean that they're going through some financial hardship, which is something that is quite, I guess, front of mind for a lot of SaaS businesses at the moment. Um, I would also be keeping a close eye on that. Fantastic. Thank you, Caitlin. Definitely sensing a trend there around uh, usage, getting your data in order, having that conversation in, in two different ways. Tom, just you mentioned having a conversation with them about what, what value are you getting? And then you're looking at their usage data and how does that compare? Um, and it sounds like that's exactly what Caitlin's talking about as well there, um, in addition to um, customer growth. So um, sounds like we're all on the same, same track. Um, Miranda, over to you. Hi, um, I'm Miranda Chesney-Law. I'm the director or associate director for customer success at Alida, which is a, a total experience management platform. That's like our new term, we've coined that. Um, but essentially what it means is that we believe in both brand, product, employee, and customer experience all tying together. So that way our clients can gather that feedback and really understand what's driving things in the market. So been working um, at Alita for oh, a little over a year now, um, building the customer success team here in Australia. So Alita in Australia is quite small. We're only about eight of us kind of powering through, growing the market, which is kind of fab. Um, uh, but overall in the, the business, we're about a team of 400. Um, and I guess one of the things that I love about my job is that I get to play with metrics and numbers all day. There's, there's so much that's at my hands. It's fabulous. Uh, but one of the things that I always start with is, and I'm pretty much going to correlate with both Thomas and Caitlin, is that you start with the simple stuff that you can get your hands on. So for me, one of the biggest things that I use is I go to my support team. How many support tickets have has this customer raised? How many issues are they having? What's the feel there? Um, are they quick calls? Are they answered really quickly? Are they going to be happy with how quickly we're turning things around? Yes, no, go, go into it. Do I need to do more training for these guys? That sort of thing. And then when I kind of get into that, it's like, okay, so I've looked at that, digging in to see if there are any problems from the support team. How has the customer behaved over the time that they've been a customer with us? Um, relatively new customers, I'm not expecting to see much sort of lifetime customer value growth, but there might be some opportunities that start to appear in Salesforce as um, the CSM is listening to and engaging with the customer and finding out, okay, maybe they're interested in this product, maybe they're interested in that one, and we just start to put these things into it just so that way we can take notes on it. But then our older customers, we look at it and go, okay, this is the pattern of this customer. Have we expanded with them? Have we contracted? Are our new products kind of hitting the mark or are they just completely missing it? Maybe we need to dig in with them about what's going on um, for them and what we can do to make them more satisfied with the new products. So that's kind of where I, I, I tend to lean my, my, my way. Right. So Miranda, to clarify, you're, you're looking at product usage. You're, you're trying to figure out whether or not the time that you're investing in creating a new part of your application is, is being, uh, having value or adding value to your customer's experience. And you're, you're looking at that information. What kind of information, just, just curious, what kind of metrics are you looking at 
there to determine, you know, in your business, would you look at that? Uh, what specific metric would you look at to say, yes, actually, we, you know, we've, we've, um, we've done really well here compared to the other side of that? So we would always look at uh, rate of adoption. So from from when it's come into market, we go, okay, how quickly was this adopted? What percentage of our clients have um, taken it? And also what tier and type of client has taken it? Uh, at Alita, we deal with so many different industries and different tier sizes. So if we can say that there's been a fast adoption of the product um, and it's across most different tiers, then we're spot on. If we're looking at it, though, and it's a slower adoption and it's uh, only by, say, the, the large enterprises, well, maybe we're missing the mark from some. So we probably need to go back to the drawing board or even just ask, like, the, the smaller tier sizes, hey, what do you think? Are we off the mark? Do we need to do something different? Tell us your thoughts. Fantastic. Great. Love. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. With the different tier systems, you might have different uh, different expectations for those different tiers as well and, and will help you to respond accordingly. So that's that's fantastic. Um, I've just got a question here as well from, from Jake or Tom. I'm not sure if you've already read that, Tom, there, but it says, hi, Tom. Um, given your product offerings in the cloud environment, would you say you will see more cases where there might not uh, might not be always direct correlation between more usage and customer happiness or received value? Um, and the following question there is, what key metric do you have uh, at MuleSoft to get holistic views? So feel free to disclose as much as you want there, Tom. <laughs> now, I think it's a great question because often we can get distracted by the headline stat. So uh, we our licensing model is based on, on utilization. So customers subscribe to a certain amount of capacity and then they put that to use. But just looking at that utilization number doesn't tell you whether they're necessarily getting value out of it. So uh, we might have a situation where um, our customers bought 10 units the system is telling us that they're using nine and a half units and our sales guys start to get very excited because they're like, wow, we're going to be able to, to go in there and sell them some more units. Uh, but what you can look at the operational metrics and say, right, how many transactions are flowing through? How many, like for those 10 units, how many things have they actually, how many widgets have they got deployed? Um, so it'll tell you part of the story. Um, obviously, you'll get the feedback from the customer if we're doing our job well and, and staying engaged to understand what they've built, have they built it correctly. Um, but what we've got baked into our platform is the ability to understand how they're using it. So um, where our platform is built around, it's an integration platform for those that aren't familiar with it. Um, and, a, and a core sort of part of our value prop is around the reuse that people get. So building an integration component and then being able to reuse it again and again and again. Um, so we can get metrics out of the platform. In fact, we often enable the customers to be able to get their own metrics and their own dashboards from the platform so they can see how they're using it. Um, and that's where you can shift it from a utilization, subscription, commercial terms kind of metric into a value metric for the customers around we're getting this much reuse. We're able to quantify that to say, if we're reusing things and not rebuilding and duplicating, then they've saved X amount of development effort. And the customer that can then start to put a dollar value on it um, as, a, as a proxy to their sort of developer cost 
to say, all right, we are now getting X value from our adoption of the platform. So I think it's a really good question. Usage doesn't always equal value um, and it's about digging in and understanding it. Um, having said that, seeing a shift in usage up or down um, is a good conversation starter to go into a customer and say, hey, we've seen this jump up in the last week. Have there been some deployments that we weren't aware of? Have there been some changes? Um, and going in with some insightful questions is a great way of, of kicking off a, a cadence call with a customer. Great question, Jake. Even better answer, Tom. Um, awesome. I love Thank it. you. Love, it. <laughs> love the um, concept of a dashboard as well. Um, I'm sure that will, will drag into one of our other questions towards the end. So I hope that um, didn't cover too much of your response to that one. But just moving on to the next question, um, we have uh, question two, which is uh, basically one of open up to um, uh, Caitlin, Tom and Miranda, just in terms of um, telling us about a time where you've been able to uh, have a positive outcome or a certain experience where you've been able to use multiple metrics um, in order to make a positive impact in your business. Um, and maybe if you could talk to a specific issue um, and, and the metrics you use to resolve that issue. Um, and I'll open it up to the floor, whoever wants to go first. I think Miranda, Miranda talked about <laughs> of lots of different metrics coming together. So I think the multiple <laughs> metrics one might be in her sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks for that voluntary. <laughs> I had to find the, the, the mute button. Um, so multiple metrics um, is something that we, we do a lot uh, with in our business. One of the big things that we advocate for is not only using say a customer's feedback but also the employee feedback which is why in my my earlier um answer i said that i go to support um for the the what's going on with the client um the big thing that we we've done previously is we've actually gone to um the metrics of our um support desk and gone okay highlight for us who are the problem children that are coming to you who, who's always coming in who's coming in consistently month on month tell us what these problem children are and then what we do is we also correlate that with our, our cs the people who are going direct to the client and getting that conversation happening um, and one of the things that we found as a business was that um we, we took the support numbers and kind of had all of that black and white data. Then we were able to put the emotion and the um, the almost the day to day grind behind it from the CS to say, OK, product, guess what? This is failing. We need to do something here. We need to do something here fast. And uh, we had a, a product that We've been around as a business for 21 years. Um, we started with one product and we were pretty happy with that for 18 years. Only our customers were less and less and less happy with it. What we've been able to do is by using that black and white numbers from, um, from support plus the CS, and then we combined it with um, uh, the sort of customer and we started with NPS just to get a feedback of what's going on there, just add some more in there. Then we also added in ease of use score as well, because we were finding that customers were telling all of this, 
but products still weren't listening. So we're like, okay, we're going to use our own software against you guys. And we're going to ask our customers, how easy is this to use? How can we make your life better? So essentially what it has resulted in is we now have, we've gone from one product which people were happy with, plus another product which was barely used into a suite of 16 products where everybody's going, oh, hang on, this is great. So we've been able to actually not only expand the use of the current platform in the business of the client and made them look good, um, and this is the big thing, we've been able to go, hey, bring in your, your HR into um, our um, software because they can start, you can start talking to your own employees based off the adjustments that we've been able to make because we were able to get product to listen to us because we had the black and white and the grinder and the NPS and the user um, ease score as well. And so there was no denying it. We were able to kind of just go, hey, look at what it is. And we've gone leaps and bounds as a business forward since then. So I think that's probably a really good one to, to Demonstrate that one, I guess. <laughs> Fantastic. Looks like you've got something to say there, Caitlin. I'll leave it no, to, uh, pass no, it over to you now. Just happy to, happy to jump in. Um, I thought I'd take a little bit of a different lens on this one, given a lot of the other ones are focused on value and so forth to the customers. But um, from a business perspective, there's a couple of metrics that we've found really helpful to use to identify customers that might need additional modules or might have opportunities for upsell. And a couple of those metrics that we've used at Bob that have helped us identify those customers are the customer health, of course. So going back to the customers who are, have positive NPS, who are adopting everything in the system well so they're getting value from what they're currently using um, and then also that they're within they currently don't have the module so for example if they're not actually having purchased it they're in good health they've adopted the system well um, you would be looking at those as the potential customers or the green customers that might be open to additional modules or additional usage within the system because they have gotten full value out of what they're currently using. Now, we need to also make sure that it's a good ICP fit. Maybe not all add-on modules are going to be useful for all of our customer base. So we would also need to validate that um, and make sure that they are going to, it is gonna save them time and they are gonna get value out of any additional modules that we suggest to them. Just, just on that, Caitlin, um, and I suppose this ties in with um, your response as well, Miranda. You know, how do you, how do you both score these? How do you both, uh, you know, what are your reactions to different scores based on these metrics um, when it comes to ease of use, um, or if it comes to, um, you know, product adoption? What do these both look like in your business, um, and and how do you calculate these? Um, so within our solution, we have a vast range of um of modules or, or features that are available to a customer um, now if they're only using one feature then they're not necessarily getting the full, full value out of our product we, we there is a number of features that take time to adopt and take time to actually use so it would be looking at that and, and finding out what, what is the appropriate sort of percentage or usage of that where we would 
approach the the conversation now it really depends on the size of the customer and and how often you're speaking to them if they are a smaller customer and you're looking at it from a volume perspective you would just need to rely on the data but if it is a larger customer then you can also marry that up with a conversation and understand what their objectives are and making sure that they're adopting the system in a way that meets those objectives so it really depends on the context there Yeah, I have to agree. The, the context really matters when when it comes to to the individual scores. Um, again, our platform has the ability to measure these things, and so we we just ask a simple question: How easy is it for you um, to use this product? And it's just a, a zero to ten, uh, much like MPS. But then we also um, depending on which way pull apart. Okay, so our detractors tell us why, give us some key pointers. And then exactly the same for people who are like, yep, this is great, so easy, pull it together. Then what we do is we apply some text analytics over the top of it and go, okay, so what are they telling us here? And it, we try and get the, the more qualitative information out of there because there's so much power in that um, that we can then back up with the, the additional zero to ten um, rating that we've got there so that's kind of the way we look at these things fantastic how about yourself tom does that relate to your your methodologies in your business yeah well, i wanted to touch on um uh, Caitlin's mentioned NPS a couple of times, and it's quite topical for us because we're we're three days out from closing our current NPS window, so everyone's madly running around trying to to get responses. Um, and it it's been there's been a couple of occasions this year where, and I love not only doing the NPS and, and getting the, res the results back, but the attention that's paid all the way through to our our HQ in 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 the states that's paid to almost every response. They look at all of the responses that come through, they categorize them in terms of what are people saying, positive, negative, um, what, uh, what themes are kind of running through that feedback. But using that and, and talking about how we sort of correlate that with other, other metrics, um, everyone loves getting a high score, but if you get a high score, other than saying thank you, there's not a huge amount that you can do about it. I, it sounds weird, but I often prefer to sort of get a challenging score or some challenging feedback because it gives us something that we can go back and engage that customer on. So we had a situation where we got a, um, a middle of the road score, um, but the, the verbatim feedback in the, hey, why did you give us this score um, was something that we could then use to say, thanks for your feedback. We'd love to talk to you about X, Y, and Z. Now, in the absence of the NPS, if we went in there and say, hey, we want to talk to you about this, that, and the other, particularly if they're not all that happy, it, it can be very difficult to get into that conversation. Whereas there's a bit of a psychological element is that when they've submitted that information to us and then we are responding to it, the kind of the process in their head, whether it's subconscious or, or not, is, okay, I've given this feedback. I should at least give them the opportunity to respond. Um, and we've had situations where we've really been able to turn around the sentiment in accounts um, based on what was started with negative feedback. And it gave us something to address. It gave us the ability to bring in the information that we're getting from other metrics in terms of how they're using or not using the platform uh, to, to get the most value and to be able to bring that into the conversation and, and to turn it into a positive experience and then wait for the next 
six months to roll around and see if there's a shift in in the score for for that customer. So it's a really powerful tool, not just in the aggregate values, but in the conversations that it can then drive with customers as part of closing that loop. If I can just jump in there and um, <clears throat> ask to the three, I think we've all um, we've identified that NPS is something that's common amongst all of us and importantly, a really good starting point. And um, Tom, that's why I love it. It's not so much the score. For me, it's a system, you know, of um, closing the feedback loop and, and providing that, that meaningful qualitative feedback to other areas of the business to act on it. Um, so as it is a, start, um, a good starting point for, for anyone who's looking to adopt uh, new CS metrics or, or sort of build out their, um, you know, their quiver of, of CS metrics. How have uh, the, the three of you gone about in your business about um, driving high retention, uh, sorry, high um, response rates for NPS? How do you um, position it and how do you brand it to your customers that this is something that is, you know, that you, it's beneficial to your time and you're going to get results from it and it's not just another survey? Great question, because we all we all get lots of surveys in in every interaction that we have. Um, we made a conscious decision a number of years ago because it, it does form part of the CSM's KPIs, mm. but we've moved away from KPIing on the value of the score because that means people just chase positive outcomes. Um, so our, our team are KPI'd on on response rate, but. That's great for the value that it brings our team, but how does it, how do we make it valuable for our customers? And there's probably two key things um, from my experience. One is we use that feedback internally to advocate for the customers. So whether it's trying to um, push certain things with our product team or, or any function within our business that we're getting feedback on, if we're getting written responses from our customers to say, this is important and this is either an awesome thing or this is a detracting thing, then we can take that feedback as an advocate for our customers internally. And then secondly, always closing the loop. So when a customer say anything positive, negative, constructive, um, if we go back to them and say, hey, I took your feedback to this person and we got a response or we've been able to contextualize why it is the way it is, the customers feel that they're not just shouting into a black hole and never hearing any response. So I think always going back to them, closing the loop, finding some sort of actionable insight. And I can't remember if it was Caitlin or Miranda that said that it's built into the systems to, to be able to go back with predefined responses or actions. Um, so from a CS team, how, do, how can we sort of systemize that and say, right, your score is X, the main feature is Y, have you gone back to um, talk to that customer about it? I have to agree with Thomas. So closing the loop is so, so powerful when it comes to getting um, consistent response rates with your NPS studies. Um, it's, it's what we espouse to all of our customers is to actually close that loop um, with their customers. So we would be remiss if we didn't do the same ourselves. Um, and what we do is consistently at the um, end of every NPS survey, we go back and tell them, okay, guys, this is what you rated us. This is what you told us our faults were. This is what you told us we're doing well. This is what you told us last year. Here's how we've improved based on your feedback. And that one is also really key because if we can show them that we are listening and that we are um, adapting based off of what this, what we're asking them, it means that we're going to consistently keep that higher response rate. 
Um, and what that's done for our team is rather than focusing on the MPS score itself or even response rates for um, our customer success team's um, KPIs, what it's led us to be able to do is actually use NDR as our main um, response one because we're finding that not only um, are our customers sort of they're responding to the survey, but they're also staying with us because they can see what we're doing for them and what we're doing with them more importantly. And then also we're able to then enhance what they're purchasing with us because it's quite modular now. Um, and so using that um, NDR has then shifted from using NPS purely. And so it's a good base to start. What does NDR stand for? Finally? Sorry, net dollar retention. Okay. Um, yeah, so so the higher your NDR, the less churn you're getting, which means that your NPS is being effective. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Fantastic. Good question, Sam, as well. Caitlin, anything, anything yeah. to add if you wanted to? <clears throat> Happy to jump in here because because it is something that we've only more recently at HiBob started placing a, a larger focus on um, and we've implemented a, a couple of things to try and educate our customers around NPS and its importance. Um, one of those being a simple slide that we include in business reviews or that our CSMs use that explains how we view it and what it means to us. Um, another one that we're looking to implement soon is almost like a pulse check when a customer is implementing our service to go, hey, if you were to receive an NPS, what, what would it be? Um, to see if we can get some early signs of, of things going wrong and, and that we're focusing on it early. Um, and then the third thing, as uh, Tom was saying before, is yeah, we, we have implemented some plays or some automated um, actions off the back of certain types of responses, whether or not it be a positive one. And then that might go to our customer community to say this customer could be an advocate and a great person to reach out to if we need uh, references or uh, an email that might go out if it's, if it's less of a positive response. And yeah, just closing that loop. Mm -hmm. Can I, oh, one, one frustration I have with NPS, like our, our audience is mostly technology teams. And they take the language so literally, it's so frustrating that they'll read it and the, the NPS question might be, would you recommend MuleSoft to a peer or a colleague? And they'll come back and go five. I love the product. It's awesome. We're getting great value, but my peers and colleagues don't work in integration. So I wouldn't recommend it to them. Um, so sometimes there's a bit of massaging of the data where you need to sort of rule out some of those misleading outliers. That's not as bad as the zero I recently got, Tom, because I don't have, I haven't used this product before. So I <laughs> don't know how they snuck in, but um, they're impacting <laughs> us negatively there. And the zero is painful because you get the zero and you go, I didn't even know zero was an option. Didn't, did I... <laughs> <laughs> Something that we, we've actually got in our NPS, which helps us um, define that is we've got different groups. So we've got in, like general employees, managers, and then admins. Obviously the, the admins and the people that should know the system and should be the ones recommending are the ones that we hold the highest and we pay the most attention to. 
and we, we can go into we can do a whole thing on on nps but you know if, if anyone's interested there are uh, there's every resource in the world out there on nps but i think the next step beyond once you once you collect the nps is or when you're starting with that is making sure that you're adding in data points in your survey so you can segment that data so you know how how this person interacts with your product for example so you know you can separate your nps by by different user groups for example um which is something I didn't do the first time and I wish I had off. <laughs> cool. But, um, back to you, Simon. I, I hijacked it into... <laughs> that's great, Sam. No, that, that's, that's fine. And then obviously um, following up from that information sounds to be the next important step. Um, loving the chat, guys. Um, just in the interest of time, the last question that we have here ties directly into this, so it might be quite similar, but we have a question around... Um, what metrics should um, customer success teams focus on to help drive value uh, for the customer rather than measuring the value that we derive from them? So essentially, what metrics um, can we use that focus on the customer uh, and not our own performance? Um, I'm going to jump in here and I love customer satisfaction. Like the, that CSAT score is probably one of my favorites because it, the, it is them telling you how satisfied they are with the product and how, um, how we can do better for them. Um, and, and if we can find that additional value for them rather than sort of kind of getting that value from us, it, it really shifts the relationship I've found um, because if you go to somebody who's going yeah guys we're really not satisfied we're not happy right now it's like oh hang on okay let, let's let's have a conversation why aren't you happy what what can we do to help you meet your strategic business goals but also your your goals for you and your team and then they are oh hang on okay you're listening you're you're wanting to help me and so we've actually really found that that's super powerful because it like much like the MPS, it starts the conversation, but it's all about listening to are they satisfied and finding that value. I could just ask a follow up then, Miranda, how, because they are different metrics. Um, how do you interpret and differentiate internally when you're explaining them the difference between uh, customer satisfaction and net promoter score? Uh, so for us, customer satisfaction, it's as simple as, are you satisfied with the product? Uh, is there a gap that's being missed or um, are you completely happy with the way it stands? Whereas net promoter score, like, because this is our, our area, we're like, nope, okay, net promoter score, you're going to promote us to whoever or you're not. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's as simple as that. We're very black and white in those, but by understanding if they're not satisfied, we're missing a gap. So there's something there that we should be doing additionally for them. Thanks. Just extending on that a little bit. I mean, one of the, and we, we don't, we don't do this well enough. I'd love to see us use this more internally is that when we onboard a new customer is actually talking to them at that point and say, what does success look like for you? So if you're winding the clock forward 12 months, 18 months, and you're reflecting, um, what are the key objectives and outcomes that you're looking to achieve? And then once you sort of work through that and say, right, well, how would you measure those? And you can define the metrics. Like we can bring our own kit bag of the 
hundreds of metrics that we have around customer value. But if you can help, and if the customer owns the definition of success and value, then you can track that along the way. Now, some of those things might not be, hey, it's kind of zero until you go live, and even then it might be incremental. Well, there might be some things which they're getting value along the way, but because they've owned it, they've subscribed to it. And we've got a, a customer success play, which we run called our, our KPI day, where we sit down with customers and do it. But what we often see is the reverse, where you're talking to a customer 12 months, 18 months, two years after they've implemented, and everyone, them and us, are trying to retrospectively define value and success. And often it's then skewed by how they're feeling in the moment. Have they had a bad support experience? Is the product going in the direction that they wanted it to go? Is their business being successful? But if you define the success and the metrics at the beginning and you jointly agree on it and you jointly track it and you might have executive meetings um, to be able to sort of play that back to their bosses, um, people can't change their mind and say, oh, no, we're redefining what success means. Um, well, it's not true. They can change their mind, but at least you've got a, a staker or a line in the sand that you're starting with. Um, and because they've bought into it, they're, they're more inclined to recognise that value as you talk through the ongoing engagements. Yeah, I, I would definitely echo what Tom has said there and uh, turn this one around and go, well, if what's that, what are they being measured on? Like, what are their KPIs, our customers' KPIs or, or the admins or the people that we're engaging with the senior stakeholders? So in for us, that might be um, employee turnover. Uh, that could be, it's those types of metrics. So I would be wanting to get a measure of their starting point when they, before they signed up with us and then understanding if, through implementing engagement techniques or, or so forth, we could improve that. Um, similarly, we, we also send surveys out from our platform. So I would be wanting to know if engagement was increasing as a result of using our tool. Um, that would be a key way. And I, I know it, it's a more difficult one to measure and you would need a higher touch with that customer to be able to understand and to be able to track those, um, those metrics fully. So there's a, again, a layer of context that you would need to apply. Understanding your customers' KPIs, Caitlin, that's um, that's a that's a great a great perspective as well to have, I guess, and helps it understand what motivates them and uh, and and what features might be, uh, I suppose, um, useful to them and and additional other features that you, they could use to help derive value for other teams as well, right? So um, I really love that perspective. Um, just in the interest of time as well here, um, I think we might, uh, we have about five minutes here to um, open it up to the floor if anyone has um, any questions for our fantastic speakers this evening. Um, I did see a hand up earlier. So if anyone has a question here, feel free to drop it in the chat. Um, otherwise, take yourself off mute um, and feel free to ask a question. Hello, this is Jake again. I've got some, I've some questions um, to the panelists and every, every one of you. So we, overall, we looked at product utilization, MPS score and the response rate. And lastly, Benali's understanding customers' KPIs and make sure we hit them. If you look at sales organization, wouldn't those be their sort of metrics that they'll be measuring them against as well for 
for the growth of the account. So how 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 do we differentiate what CS does as opposed to the traditional sales org does? Or or have you seen any cases where you're literally measured on the same thing? Or so again, back to my question, how how do we differentiate our CS matrix against the sales orgs, for example? Uh, for our team, um, I think we're actually, we're different in that uh, we do have a two-in-the-box play that we work very closely with our, our sales team in, in growing an account. But our, our, our sales team, they're, they're generally just after that either the increase in ARR or ACV. That's all they care about. That's all they're, they're incentivized by. So that's how our organization works. Um, and so it, it tends to fall more heavily on CS to be the ones in charge of the NPS and um, meeting customer goals and satisfaction. Um, we do the heavy lift, they get the credit, you know, the, the fun stuff that happens in CS sometimes. <laughs> Um, but I, I, we find, though, to really create um, it so that way sales want to create a good fit customer when they're, they're bringing on new people is that we as a business also incentivize them to grow um, each of their accounts that they bring on. And that's what they focus on is growing that ARR rather than any of the kind of health and satisfaction things, because you can only grow your ARR if you are having a healthy client. And to do that, you need to bring on a good fit client. So for us, it, it is a joint effort. Um, our customer success managers do uh, contribute to um, or support customers if they do want to purchase additional modules or, or do some of those things. And it really comes down to the value and knowing the customer's objectives and knowing the value that an additional module will bring. So um, it's really important to understand how much time it's going to save if there's a pain point and if there's a, a genuine need so that we can genuinely position that additional module for them and know that it's going to provide value. I think with us, we've seen a bit of convergence and a bit of divergence. So the convergence is we've actually seen um, revenue retention creeping into our sales team's quotas and, um, and KPI. So they now have a, at least a component. Now, they're still heavily incentivized around growth and, and chasing new business. But there's definitely a retention element to to how they're paid. Um, our CS teams have still got growth targets, both for services and for um, subscription growth. But it's to motivate different behaviour because sales teams are, are, are generally incentivized to go and chase growth and chase new business. Whereas the growth that comes from customer success is that if we've actually done our job well in making sure that our customers are successful with what they've originally purchased us for and they're reaching their goals, achieving their outcomes, then the nature of a growth subscription model is they'll, they'll get more value if they spend more. So um, that mutual growth, mutual for the customer, mutual for us, um, is where CS is really working. Now, having said that, um, a lot of the more experienced uh, sales people that I work with, um, they understand that as well. So 
our, our account executives are engaged throughout the lifetime of a customer. They don't just sell it and then hand it over to success and walk away. Um, they're actively involved in the whole life cycle of a customer um, because they know if they if they help the customer be successful and if they're across what the customer is trying to achieve, then that will lead to future sales as well. So slightly different motivations. There's, a, there's definitely an intersection of the, of the different KPIs and incentives for the teams. Um, but I would be expecting customer success to be drifting more towards how do we measure and quantify customer value and customer outcomes and have that in the success um, payments rather than purely around growth and, um, and, and retention. Thanks, Tom. That's Thanks. a whole other topic if we get on to com uh, commissions versus value and it's uh, we could spend days talking about that. You, we, we, did, we did customer success and selling, I think, two meetups ago, so recordings online. Do you give commission to your CS guys, Tom? Sorry, by any chance? Yeah, so so we, we have a, a, a base and a, and a commission component um, as, as part of our CS model. Thank you. That's a good response, Tom, because I was biting my tongue a bit there because like people got to move away from customer success being a department. It's a culture that has to exist throughout your whole organization. So like your sales team needs to be thinking about the entire customer lifecycle journey. And if, if they're not, then it's not going to work. Yeah. And one of the sayings that we have is everyone is involved in customer success. Um, even though there's one team with a name, it's, it's everyone's responsibility. I mean, um, it was, a, I imagine, somewhat recent that you'd started um, building in that retention to, to your sales team's um, commissions, but it would be great to see what the longer term effects of that are in terms of overall retention since sort of since that, because I would, you know, wager that it's going to increase because of, I mean, is the whole idea there to, to make sure that they are, um, you know, acquiring customers that are the right fit? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think the nature of our product um, is we don't have a lot of shelfware. So we have long sales cycles. We have very extended tire kicking exercises that our customers do before they make the commitment because it's quite a significant commitment for them to, to select our product and move forward. So we don't have a lot of situations where someone has been missold Mm -hmm. or has, has the wrong thing or it's not a, not a good fit for their organisation because of the selection process that they've been through. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. It has changed a little bit of the behaviour. Um, but, look, I mean, to be fair to our sales team, I haven't often seen the negative side of it where they, they walk away. Like, they're, they're engaged with their customers. They, they need their customers to be successful because that's their reference for the next customer that they want to be able to talk to as well. So um, by and large, um, I'm really happy with the sales team that we work with in, in terms of their investment in the, in the customer's journey. Thanks very much, Tom, Caitlin, Miranda. Um, thank you very much for presenting at tonight's event. We've just hit seven o'clock. Um, so obviously on behalf of the CSA team and everyone here, thank you very much for coming along tonight to discuss a couple of questions and um, it's been fantastic. So I really appreciate your time. Um, if anyone has any other questions, of course, I'm sure um, Tom, Caitlin, 
Um, Miranda, you're welcome to, to reach out on LinkedIn and, and connect and whatnot and follow and, and whatever you need to do. Um, in terms of future events, again, feel free to find us on uh, Customer Success Australia uh, LinkedIn. Um, if anyone's wanting to stay back uh, a little bit now and um, just have a bit of a chat, um, feel free to do so. We're just probably going to go around the room and, and get to know one another. So um, feel free to do that. But again, thank you very much for our panel guests and um, we'll see you next time. Thanks for having us. Thanks, everyone. Thank you all.